This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Hey guys, uh, quick little intro to the, today's podcast. First of all, thank you so much for all the love. Uh, I've been feeling it and seeing it on Twitter. Uh, quick hack, Twitter is absolutely where I engage, Gary VEE, if you're not jamming. Um, this is super fascinating. I thought this was one of the more thoughtful, uh, uh, insightful kind of uh, meetings and interviews I did. Uh, this is uh, an entire thing with KOLs, which is key opinion leaders, the term that uh, we use in Southeast Asia and specifically mainland China for influencers. Uh, here I'm jamming with two of them and and one of their fathers. And I just think some insights and some broadened thinking. So sit back, enjoy, uh, you know, enjoy your $7 coffee and listen to today's podcast. Okay, wow. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised I'm hosting this. All right. <laughs> so guys, this is a really big honor. It's a really big honor for me, Gary. Thank you for hosting us here in Vernon Media Offices. Of course. Um, I'm from Israel. Yes. And been um, in China for the last 10 years with my family. My father is also here. I brought him especially for this amazing encounter with you. And also my really good friend, Malik. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so-called hustlers in China. Yes. We content creators for the last two, three years have been hardcore inside the social medias in China. Mm-hmm. We've been making content from different levels, different types. We've been getting a lot of views, getting a lot of interactions. We're getting, we're showing the world um, what it's like to live in China. And this has been our like main passion. Now we came here to meet you, Gary, because... Are, and you're also, so you're, when you say hustlers, are, are you, are you, um, your KOLs in the marketplace. Yes. Um, yes. But you're also trying to build outside of it Business. for people to view in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So our platform is called, in English, called our platform that we set up is Why China. I'm personally, I'm a KOL, mm-hmm. but I'm running a media business that creates video shows online. I understand. So I'm, yes, I'm not really purely a KOL. Malik is a pure, massive KOL yes. from China, from yes. like in China. Yes. I'm more like a platform builder creating shows. We're working with different like Tencent and Aichi and Yoku and also doing shows a, on the a Weibo. Pr- your production company. Kind of a production. Within those environments. Exactly. I understand. That's exactly what we are. And then... We're here to talk about brought a few really hot Chinese topics that okay. relate to the life there, to the internet sphere. We really want to have you back and forth talking to you about Let's it. Let's do it. So I'll be a host because there's four topics. And first of all, maybe I'll let Malik and my father introduce themselves as well. That'd be amazing. Quickly. Go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, so my name is Malik and uh, I actually study here at Rutgers in New Jersey, but I'm, also a, I'm, I'm a KOL in China. So I create contents about American cultures, but also some personal views on things, on you know some social issues, and I have my uh, followers. Both American being, and Chinese? Yeah, both, <laughs> yeah, I speak Chinese and, and, and English. And yes. I actually came to the con- country like four years ago, mm. so I had a lot of different experience I, I wanted to share with the, the youth in China. So that's how I started my, uh, you know, my, my channel and built a million followers in six months. Um, so, on Weibo? Yeah, on Weibo. And uh, before that, I was watching your stuff, and it, it was a huge inspiration for me. Thank you. You know, just being being out there and just hustle and you know, work hard. So Awesome. Yep. That's amazing, yeah. Good. Yeah, for Pops. me. Uh, I met Pops already in the, oh, already in, the ele- in the elevator. We had a very oh, nice chat. <laughs> timing is everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> timing is everything. So about timing, we mm-hmm. felt the timing is right to go to China. In 2003. What was, were you in a business or? or Venture capital is my thing, you know. So, venture capital is supposed to see the future, but actually don't go too far away. That's exactly (laughs) right. Find the right metrics of this. I mean, you've got the background. Yes. So, you know it well. We felt that China is around the corner, business-wise, venture capital, technology, innovation, this kind of stuff. And, you know, Israel is good at this shit. Yes, very good. um, 
How, how old was Roz when you guys moved? How old are you, Roz? I'm 23 this year. So I was 13. 13 when we moved, but he entered 2003 when I was like, I was like, like, like seven years old. That's where he started doing stuff in China. We did the yeah. first and you were, in 2004. You were, you were flying back and forth, back and, and forth. then finally... Yeah. Yeah, decide. when we saw it, it's real, you know, it's yeah. not only it's just a dream. It's not emerging, it's here. It's here, it's 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 here and now, and then you have to, you know, Strike. double down, triple yep. down, force down on it, and the only way to do it is move your family. It's, was, it's that to was that tough for you? Oh, uh, it's tough. I have three younger siblings. We're all, yeah. I'm the, I was, they were all smaller than me. We couldn't speak a word of English, actually, because in Israel, yeah, we study Hebrew, and it. the English level is of no, people locally very bad. So I'm aware. Um, he took us, he put us through us in the school in, in in Hong Kong at the beginning, and then later in Beijing. It was tough, but I think that was made us like that really brought us to close. get this so close to this culture. I'm so close to the Chinese culture in so many levels, like, and it's really opened your world. And many people don't really understand the way I think or do things because so early on, I left my Israeli friends. I sure. didn't even go to the army yet, which is sure. is a shame yet. But yes. I have to go back. He's a pilot, 24 yes. years. He was a pilot. Yes, like. It's like, it's been a tough culture shock for me. Back in Israel, how I didn't really serve in the army, but here in China, I'm a foreigner, so-called. But I think giving this platform, the social media, and this ability to express myself and build a company under the media would gave me a place to kind of find myself. Of course. In China, now I'm trying to push it forward. Sadly, we've been in China many years, but he can always speak Chinese. <laughs> I can speak Chinese. He got all his children to speak Chinese. And then, but he understands Chinese people, I think, more than anyone could mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, so yeah, that, this is our little family story. Um, I love it. It's yeah. so interesting. It's all right. Um, so we have we, we brought some topics, yep. Gary. Let's go. So look, um, we really want people to know you in China. And we want we, you have a lot of philosophies, ways you do things that really can inspire a lot of generation of Chinese people. Now, there's so many things we're going to talk about, starting from the culture of the 90s in China, all the way to the e-gaming in China, which is huge now, all the way to talking about the social family pressures that Chinese common families have, which is a big thing in their which lives. Which is really, prob if you asked me it's intuitively what I'm most excited about in the next decade as I start building my brand and my opportunities within mainland China and culture, and, and Southeast Asia in general, it is the family dynamic because that is the most interesting insight um, that I've seen from afar for the little homework that I've done. It's just a real, and listen, it's, you know, being a Jewish Eastern European immigrant in the US, similar but different. Um, it's always a dynamic, mm -hmm. uh, but it is extremely aggressive in, uh, in mainland China. And, uh, it, and uh, it's funny you bring that up because that is absolutely, the, I mean, the next book yeah. I'm thinking about writing is perfectly, is called Perfectly Parented. Mm -hmm. It's a parenting book for entrepreneurs and more about, you know, your dad understands Chinese people only because he deploys empathy. True, that's true, 100% true. By the way, the fact you picked this family issue is yeah. the most interesting thing because I have talked to so many foreigners about China. Yeah. I haven't seen one that touched that. That's the only thing. It's the, the key it's point. It's the key well, point. Anyway. We got Malik, he will Sorry be, to interrupt, he's pure Malik. Chinese, he will explain his family values and stuff. And, <laughs> but then the fourth topic we'll mm -hmm. go into is just talking about this like new, this Sangwan, which means like the three philosophies of Chinese people, how they see political correctness. I'll, we'll get about it at the interesting. end. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting actually that he who also has a lot to say about this. So let's, let's go. hit it first. So first of all, we're this, we represent this really huge, large, young audience of Chinese people that are seeking this kind of culture interaction with people around the world. Yes. They're willing to learn the culture of New York, they're willing to learn the culture of America, culture around the world, and willing for foreigners to learn their culture. It's a really interesting age. However, there is this phenomenon coming up in, in China these days that people in China see themselves as the 
Foshi in Chinese, which means their Buddhist lifestyle. Buddhist lifestyle. Buddhist life. What does it mean? It means that given that the, the generation of 90s are born after the opening reforms in yes. China, they're born to relatively, and they're ch single children, they're born to relatively um, more easy lifestyle where they think positively about the future. They don't work so hard, although they are have very strong values of work. And they think things will just solve themselves naturally. They call it this kind of Buddhist culture. That Makes thing sense. was an article that posted by a very big media and it actually became a phrase to describe 90s, the 90s generation. So my question to you is, first of all, um, young people, 90s, millennials, taking life as like everything will come to them in this generation because they have so much technology, so much internet, so much things. Is that the right approach that people should take? That's a big approach I, that Chinese I don't, I don't think it's as wrong of an approach as many may think, I think, given my obsession mm. that hard work is a pillar of uh, variable success. I'll, I'll, I'll explain why. First of all, you have to understand that it's a very common theme when nations or people start going through prosperity. This is not something you can stop. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when people talk about American millennials, when you talk about 60 years of success in a country, you know, pre nothing, no real negative drivers, that's naturally what's gonna happen. Of course, older Chinese, the parents and grandparents of those kids, look at them with cynicism because they lived in a much more difficult environment. Mm -hmm. I think that optimism is what makes America, America. Mm -hmm. I think optimism is extremely powerful. I think optimism and entitlement are a very dangerous fine line. So the answer is, as a whole, I actually love it. I'm massively optimistic and I generally believe mm. everything's gonna be okay and mm. I'm very team human being. I think humans are very underrated. Um, when it starts falling into entitlement or if you look at what's happening in Saudi Arabia, which I think is an interesting parallel. It's, it's about to go through a very interesting period mm -hmm. with its new reforms. Mm -hmm. You know, it's basically people of a state. The state's taking care of everything. Sure. Um, you know, I'm, I was born in communist Soviet Russia, mm. right, Soviet Union. So I have a lot of empathy. You know, my parents are a little bit different, but a lot of my parents' friends really struggled when they came to America because they won the lottery in the Soviet Union and had easy jobs. AK doing nothing, yeah. And, yeah. and the state would take care of it. So, you know, I think when you layer technology on top of it, which means they can touch everything, you know, honestly, I think it's good, comma, a lot of people will get sucked into not doing anything, thus losing. True. As long as you can get anybody in that generation to understand nobody, nobody is successful mm. in being successful in life without putting in hard work, they may inherit. Somebody could be wealthy without putting in hard work. Mm -hmm. It's because their mommy and daddy gave them the money. Mm -hmm. But nobody is successful, nobody is successful without putting in the work, including athletes or, mo I like using models. A lot of people are born pretty. True. But putting in the work to you know learn how to translate to a camera, understanding which platforms have the attention, whether that's Sports Illustrated or Instagram, like it's just work. Like you look at the supermodels of the last 20 years, a lot of those women are hardcore hustlers. That's why they've all had very good entrepreneurial careers after. Mm -hmm. We get tricked because they're beautiful, but they're putting in work. And so as long as you can deliver to that generation that work is an essential pillar mm -hmm. of this optimistic point of view, if that's what you want, success and things, great. By the way, 
if you just want to be happy, you know, I think it's a great outlook. You know, to me, the only thing that bothers me or causes me caution is when people think things come to them without putting in the work. That's all. It's very simple. It's you can't get muscles without working out, and you can't get success without working. And there's a lot of people that push back at me, especially in Europe and more liberal points of view around too much work. It's because they're not listening to what's coming out of my mouth. My mouth, my words are very simple. As long as your work ethic matches your ambition, you are very happy. Meaning, if you want to have a nice work-life balance and have three days off a week and be healthy and you know what have you, and recognize that you're not going to have mansions or or reputation or books or great. I mean, I think that's uh, to be very frank. There's a lot of times I wish that was my ambition. To me, the only stress in the system is when people's ambition, aka their mouth doesn't match their actions. There's a lot of people in on Weibo and Instagram and YouTube saying that they're gonna be billionaires and gonna rule the world who go to 45 music festivals a year. <laughs> and that is not gonna happen. So to me, it's just matching your ambition to your actions. Otherwise, I think it's a great thing that people are optimistic because I think optimism matters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Oh yeah, so yeah, Malik, what if yeah, to, to elaborate about you know the, the the Buddhist lifestyle. So it's also the young people nowadays they they think that they're facing more challenges and like a more competitive environment than their parents because they have to learn much more stuff. They have to know, have much more skills. You know, get going to college doesn't guarantee anything. They're right at all. Like they're nowadays, right. so but the problem is they're thinking about it through their parents' eyes. Yeah, and also like with so much like this much of do you understand though? Yeah, like college. To your point, especially in mainland China and high net worth individuals, like the path of college mm-hmm. then sets you up is over. Yeah. It's over. Doesn't guarantee you it's, anything. It's just over. Mm-hmm. Like, look, if you want to work at Bain and McKinsey and Goldman Sachs, big time education, you could still have that path. That's mm-hmm. great. Agreed. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is the default that a college, educa- a college education, the, 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 the pedals are off the rose. Like, it's you know outside of the elite, top ten schools. Mm-hmm. I the, I think the schools that are most dangerous are schools twenty five to one hundred, because they had some brand, but they don't translate. They don't translate in today's reality anymore. It just doesn't matter, and you know it, for a parent at home, you know especially in mainland China. This is back to what I jumped on. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very upset that you have one child. You know, to your point, and I don't know every detail, but I'm aware enough to know mm-hmm. a lot of people are single children. <laughs> um, very, the thing that I see common in in Southeast culture, and especially mainland China, is that for a lot of parents, their kid is a representation of them. That's, yeah. and that's where it breaks. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's where it breaks in Israel, and it breaks in Belarus, mm-hmm. and it breaks in America. It breaks if a parent thinks that a kid's accomplishment is a reflection on them because now you have a disconnect. Now you're not a parent and a child, you're a person with a product. And I think that that is scary to me because going to Harvard or Stanford or Yale is a badge that people back in Beijing walk around proudly to their contemporaries and they're fucking their kids up. (laughs) That's not worth the wisdom. That's so true. That's it, Mm -hmm. that's the breakdown. So, but the kids are right. Here's what I would say to the kids, too bad. I mean, too bad that it's hard now. Like, you have a lot of things going for you too. Mm -hmm. I promise you right now, all of you would not switch with your grandparents. 
Yeah, help. The end. <laughs> if you're in China and you're listening right now and you have the option sure. of having not college set you up so easily or be your grandparents and live in that communist China, I have a funny feeling you're gonna choose this. <laughs> so to me, I have empathy that it's different and I have empathy that you've been told education, 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 college, 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 good college, straight A, straight A, alpha, alpha, dragon, dragon, I understand. It's changed, but you're not gonna switch with your grandparents, so what are you crying about? True. Life's about alternatives. That's true. <laughs> Life's about alternatives. That, that, so what do you think. want? You wanna, you know, what do you want? And I think most people um, realize how good they have it, and so yes, it's changed. Yes, there's new difficulties, but it's so much, so much better than it used to be, and so I can't, I can't get upset mm-hmm. for anybody who's living through oh darn it, my Yale education is not going to take care of me, especially when a far bigger percentage of kids from mainland China that are going to these universities are having it paid for by their parents than the alternative of a lot of Americans. Mm-hmm. So, One thing that's happening in China that is an optimism, uh, it's a very optimistic point of view, is the government is now encouraging graduates to take entrepreneurship as their first job. And we see in Beijing, especially parts of Shanghai, the graduates used to go to the government, to the big companies, to follow what their parents think. Yes. They open their own startups, they don't startups. Yes. The, the parents have nothing to say about it because the government endorses it. Pushing. So it's kind of. It's I, think, awesome. I think that's great. Look, America wins because of entrepreneurship. It's offense. Agreed. You're either on offense or your defense. Europe's been on defense for 50 years. That's why Europe sucks on the global stage of competitive business. I love Europe. I love Europe for wine, I was born in Europe. I love Europe for culture, I like the kindness and the empathy, I love Europe for a lot of its social points of view except when it goes too far to the left. I love Europe, but Europe can't win. Europe's soft. And so, I think it's great that China pushes that. Look, I'm an American who was born in the Soviet Union who absolutely believes that China has won already, meaning, that when I'm an old man, or when I'm gone, and my grandkids are like, China is the superpower. I really believe that. Because I think China runs its country more like a business. Meaning, a business, like me, I give freedom to my team so much, except on a couple things that matter to me, and then it's a dictatorship. (laughs) That's more China, right? So I think China's model, in a lot of ways, I mean, socially, I'm talking about entrepreneurship and business Mm -hmm. and the alpha stuff. I think China's got a long way to go on this soft skills and equal rights and a million things that make, like, you know, but I think it'll get there out of its leadership. Um, So, I think, it's, I think it's sitting very pretty. I think it's great that it's pushing kids to entrepreneurship. My problem is nine out of 10 of these Chinese kids that are 22 year olds that are jumping into entrepreneurship have no chance because they're not entrepreneurs. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's good because it's education. <laughs> yes, but you have to be careful because the one thing I fear is when these kids fail, and almost all of them will, yes. it's a very big scarlet letter in that culture and I think psychologically, you're putting a 23-year-old in a very vulnerable spot where now they have a loss publicly. There's no hiding. When you lose in school like I did, you can blame people. When Iris loses at VaynerMedia, she can blame me. When you work at a company, or when the government's involved, or when it's school, you can blame somebody else. When you have a business, it's your fault. And I, the only thing I would say, it's already something that concerns me in America where it is not a scarlet letter 
to lose in business, but it's but still there's an enormous amount of because there's so many fake entrepreneurs now because everybody's pushing it, and now you have students who I like when I lose. I like when you guys look at me and say he lost, he did it wrong because I'm an entrepreneur. But when you're a student and you get an F, it's devastating. So I would caution one thing for anybody who's listening in mainland China who thinks entrepreneurship is such a freedom, when you lose, you have to make sure that you're mentally stable enough to be able to take all that cynicism and the critiques from everybody, including your friends, your friends' parents, your parents, because if you don't, you start going down a very dangerous path that leads to a very scary place. We do not reconcile why we, why we have suicide in America at the teenage level. It's because modern parenting is over-coddling kids to an extreme level where kids don't know how to deal with adversity. If you've been a great student in the mainland China machine and you now pop out and you start the Uber or Tencent of dry cleaning and you fail, I don't want kids to go into depression and suicide. I think self-awareness matters much more than being an entrepreneur. For you and I, the learning makes sense. It's our DNA. I look at every loss as learning. That is not how people are wired. So we have to be thoughtful of, we go too far, right? Mm -hmm. It's all college. It's all entrepreneurship. We need to find the right balance of understanding. We need to do a much better job, zero to 18, to understand somebody's makeup, their emotional makeup, their skill set. The way we do school today and the way we structure our kids for success in the first 18 years is so broken worldwide. And so for me, I'm thinking a lot about the next 20, 30 years of my life. How can I impact at least, to now I impact by putting out content and getting the 500 DMs I get every day of thank you, thank you, thank you, you're helping me, you're a shield. That's my first step, but over time I'd like to do more because it is the most important thing. Because if you're parented well, you can see it from a mile away. And when you're not, you can see it from a mile away. And I think too many parents view their kids as a product. I have an idea for you, you may use. Uh, you said it right, it's about what you, you target. If your target is to win, to go all the way, you put everything in. I think we're going to an era where there is like micro-innovation, micro-entrepreneurship. You don't set your goal to be the next. I number. agree, I agree. It's a lifestyle I agree. issue. I, I want agree. to be in my lifestyle. I agree, okay? I agree. It's gonna be split into three. Machines, lifestyle, and innovation I style. I agree, I agree so much. I push it very heavily. What's wrong with having a business doing 137,000 a year and you're very happy selling donuts? Yes. I want it very badly. You got the, the, pro- the problem is venture capital and the modern technology media, everything's about unicorns and billion dollars. Yeah. Crowdfunding, and, and crowdfunding this makes it easier. Don't need the venture capitalists. You're preaching. How about, how about a better one? How about just build a fucking business and work off your own cash flow? Good education. <laughs> you know? Actually, this is what we do in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, yeah. I mean like, you know, why not just, I mean, VaynerMedia is a $200 million company. I raised zero capital. I sold somebody a $60,000 consulting gig. I was in a different place in my career, but I still could have raised it. Like, learning how to make money is the number one skill. Sell something. Singles Day sells trillions of dollars of shit every year. Figure it out. Get your, get, get your, get your $100 out of it. Jesus. I, and I mean this. I want to teach kids more to learn how to make money versus raising money because that's a skill that never goes away. Mm-hmm. You can always raise money later. You can, and he'll tell you, it's a lot easier to raise money when you're making money. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. That's interesting, okay. So just, um, you're talking about failure and winning, mm-hmm. and then you hear I have two 23-year-olds 
I think you you understand young people's mentality yeah. or what they need to do much more than we understand ourselves in a sense. Some way, and I'm surprised like he yeah. like Gary knows so much that is going on in China without like actually yeah, that, being that, that, there. That's so incredible. I'm, I'm, yeah, was, and, no, surprised. So there's one thing I want to say that I think Malik and I we know quite well as being like living in China mm-hmm. and engaging in the internet is that um, there is this massive thing going on in China that adding to the Buddhist mentality is that people take on their time to play games. Yes, video games, e-games, sure. mobiles. Mm-hmm. It's a mobile country. It's completely mobilized. Everyone Nowhere. plays on their phone. Mm-hmm. And the last two or three years, you've seen like huge companies like Tencent and Wang Yi. They've bought companies all around the world, plus developing their own Chinese-style companies, and um, like taking Dota on League of Legends and making it into the Kings of Honor, which is like a very yep. popular mm-hmm. social e-gaming. I'm aware. And then you're talking about different types of games that include um, many people playing together. Um, PUGB, which is another one. Like what I'm saying is that most Chinese people, a lot of their time is spent, yeah. even with their parents during Chinese New Year. They will be 90% of the time playing, playing games. games, maybe to look to win something because mm. it gives them a, a, a belonging. A, like they feel like they're winning. They're, but mm. the thing is that this e-gaming culture. First of all, what do you think of young people being engaged literally most of their time, all their day, mm-hmm. e-gaming on their free time, yeah, their night before I mean, they sleep, I'm, gaming? I'm a fan of it. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. We've always needed escapism. True. Humans are very basic. We like escapism. So for me, if you're asking me, if I had to choose back to life being alternatives, a 16 year old right now from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. at night in China playing games versus watching television, which is what her or his parents did 20 <laughs> years earlier, I'm thr- or reading a book for information that is now at their fingertip, I'll pick gaming because I think what it's doing is it's forming behavior that is far more relevant to today's society, mm-hmm. as we go into a more machine-oriented world, the mathematical structure around gaming, psychology, the things they learn, the most self-aware will realize they're getting suckered into the gamification of it. Mm-hmm. They're chasing a carrot. But we're, we've been ch- we chase a carrot everywhere. That's, that's what humans do. We're, mm-hmm. we're just animals. We're very easy to understand. Back to winning. Back to winning, just to bounce a little bit. I wanted to make a point, and I'll use it right here. To me, the people that win the most are the ones that are addicted to the process and the game of, game of the life much more than the things the they get from it. Yes, agree. That the is the, that's the ultimate. Mm-hmm. Can you love the journey, the process, the work, whatever you want to call it? And, and to me, it's so important that you know, in today's option economy with all this technology, when machines take over all these jobs, I laugh, they're gonna take over all the jobs that most people don't like doing. They just do it to get paid what they need to pay their mortgage or to buy things that cover up their actual sadness. I could live in a fucking basement with all, this is true and I bet you my team will agree with this. I'm a kind of person that wishes this was our family and we all lived in this room. You know, it's really funny for me to even say that, I've never said it that way, but it made me go right back to where I started here, not too far from here in Queens, in a small room with a lot of family. Like, it's fun. We work, we live. That's it. So to me, to me, I think it's great. I'm not gonna frown on that, mm-hmm. because I think about it, what would those people be doing otherwise? True. No sibling, it's a big issue. If you have siblings, you interact more, so that's a price to pay. No back. question. Yeah. I, think the no, I think the one child variable is fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know, my mm-hmm. father's a single, uh, child, my closest cousin Bobby uh, is a single child, and I've always been fascinated by both of them um, in a lot of ways, and and have always been fascinated. Maybe because I'm very close to my siblings. Um, when you were talking, 
all that was running through my mind was, oh, that's so good. That means him and his three siblings got very close because they had each other in the beginning when they moved. Not much, you know? Mm. I, I think it's, uh, yes, yeah, I think the single child culture at scale, we've never seen scale like this, mm-hmm. is, re- you know, I don't have real thoughts. You can see I can talk very passionate when I know. I don't, I haven't thought enough about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense, but I think, you know, it makes sense that they gravitate towards that, but we gravitate towards it here in the US and Europe and other, and South America does too. I think, look, humans like interacting with each other. Sure. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. So, so nobody here is gonna tell me that they don't feel like they're interacting with somebody when they're playing mm-hmm. games, when they're texting, when they're, like, we are. We are, that's why I love it so much. Yeah, I agree, like my, my younger brother, he's in high school and all he does like when he's doing the weekend is playing games, but literally I realized all of his friends are on, are on it. He's it's more a, social. Yeah, it's a way it's to socialize. Social. I say this all it's, the time. It's the same Kids as we going out. Kids are more social now, not less. Yeah. Yes, I, used to sit, I used to sit in my room by myself <laughs> because I couldn't go outside and play. Yeah. It was 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. March, uh, let me use real life, January 8th, 1986, I'm in my home because it got dark. You know, I was an 80s baby when we played outside, but now it was dark, it was cold, I wasn't playing, and like I was like in my room, which is, by the way, a long time's great too. I'm sure very valuable. I'm sure yeah. plenty of people mm-hmm. are gonna argue we have no alone time anymore, thus we're over. You know, it's so funny to me. Everybody says our kids don't know how to engage, they're not social. Not I'm like, they're the reverse. They're over social. Yes. They have no downtime. Yes. So to me, I think it's super interesting. I think gaming is great. Mm-hmm. I think most businesses are gonna start layering heavy gamification psychology to everything they do. If you look at businesses like Uber and other things around the world, a lot of them grew Spotify off of referral, gamification. I think everything will have gamification layers on it. WeChat as well. Yeah, Tencent is a company of gaming. WeChat itself is a game beginning. It's a also one chat policy because you had to you have to do something, right? I want to take this topic a little bit deeper because there's something in China that I don't know if it's here in the US because in China, women, Yes. Play more than many. It's you ridiculous. Know, There's a high it. percentage of women. I was about to say it. I was about to like, say yeah. that point. So why I, is that? Yeah. Or like, what do you think of this? Like, of this I'm woman so, getting involved? Because usually I, in my I, country, in Israel, I, I, it's. In the US and Israel and Europe, you'll see that dynamic happen in the next 20 years as well. It's because China was further along in the mobile culture and the gamification culture. They, you know what happened? It's the same thing that's happening in Africa. They leapfrogged. Like, American women are going to be gaming at scale, and they do. They already do quietly on mobile, because the games of America were established far more males focused, mm-hmm. right? They were much more male focused, so the, me as a 42 year old male growing up, they were guy games, they were guy games. Right. You had some games like Sonic the Hedgehog, Mario, you had it, but it was, but in culture, video games were for boys, right? And that's just the way it is. And now that's breaking down and you'll, this is human. Gamification and game escapism is human. And we see it with Candy Crush and Angry Birds. We saw far more 50-50, 60-40. Once the stigma goes away, which it, I think it already has, right. you'll, you'll see far, I mean, especially now, you're talk, you talk to a 12, 13, 14 year old girl, she's super on board with esports and willing to go there. Um, and so I, I don't even think of it. I, I think it's just the timing of how it was introduced into the marketplace. I think most things are like that. Look, pink was a boy's color. In Europe, when it was when pink was first introduced, you know it's a boy, it was a boy's color, you know in in the 1800s in in Western mm. Europe. So like things get manipulated. 
heavy hands get involved. There's a lot of heavy hands on a lot of issues and I think that's what happened with gaming in the US and Europe but mm -hmm. there is no reason that should be. And uh, I would even argue that the most successful uh, esports athletes and gamers in 25 years skew female as much as it skews male. See. And where are you going with your gaming? Your personal like future? You know, I think, look, I think it's a, you know, this is a funny time to talk about this. Whether it's China, mm -hmm. whether it's e-gaming, whether it's cryptocurrency, whether it's machine learning, what, there, there are so many trends that are obvious to me that are foregone conclusions in our society. I, I'm just a, you know, as much as I've done a good job in feeling omnipresent and pumping out a lot, I can only tackle so many things. Mm -hmm. um, to me, everything I just mentioned there will be a time and a place for me to be involved. I don't need to be earliest. Um, I just need to be executing well in places that matter. I've not been able to get around to esports meaning in a meaningful way. I watch all this stuff very carefully. Mm -hmm. I'm building a Twitch studio right outside my office. Oh, you have a Twitch studio coming up. Yeah, that'll That's probably fun. be done in what, maybe four or five weeks? Like April, first week, uh, what was it? Let's in a month. You're going to be gaming live streaming. I'm going to be gaming with things that I can play. Yeah, that'd be interesting. So there's That'd no League of Legends for me. I don't want to. You know, to me, it's going to be you know double dribbled from Nintendo 1986. Like you know, I'm going to throw back games. I'm going to you know, when people come through, like we would have jumped on for 10 minutes. I'm going to use it for attention purposes. Blockchain, you know, all this stuff is stuff I'm paying very close attention to, but I'm not deep enough yet to execute or to speak on it. Mm -hmm. I don't like to talk about things I don't know mm. unbelievably well, which is why I talk so much about something very okay. narrow, which is consumer behavior around social okay. layers on the internet. And I'll get, you know, inevitably, in the next three, five, seven years, one of those pillars that I just mentioned, including maybe China, you know, one of the things I think a lot about is what happens when my kids get a little older, mm -hmm. when I can travel with them a little bit. Like, I, I think about China quite a bit. China, for me, is extremely exciting because I love the journey. I love that nobody knows me in China. <laughs> you know, like. So you can just be a normal person walking around. No, I can, no, 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 I'm never normal. Uh, <laughs> no, no, because I can start the process of building. It's nice, okay. It's the process, like, you know, enjoy the process of building from the, the process, good. The Finding the right teammates to help me, mm -hmm. doing the right things, spending, you know, the process. That's like amazing. going there and starting at zero and catching up to everybody is the ultimate. That's amazing. So let's touch a topic that you said at the beginning you're really excited to talk about, it's parenting. And also yes. I, I end up bringing my father to of this course. talk, it's exciting. And then you as a parent, and in China, parents is such a, mm -hmm. parenting, the kids' relation with their parents and the older, old generation is, is very, still, it's not an issue, but it's, it, it's a heavy thing on their life. And Chinese New Year just finished, where mm -hmm. all the kids had to go back home and deal with the different questions and pressures of, what, how's your job? How's you doing? Are you gonna get married? Like in different places in China, have different cultures. Um, it's, the what, single, what if, it's the single biggest impact on yeah, Avid Meanland China. If you so ask you me to now? predict, mm -hmm. go in a prediction, in eight or nine years, um, I think I will be a very substantial personality in China because I have a very strong, passionate point of view on this issue that I don't think is very loved by the older generation and I think is adored by the younger generation and they need somebody, just like the American kids need, somebody to point to, to protect them on these battles and I wanna be that person. To me, if you ask me what my great legacy can be, is to be the voice of somebody who was parented extremely well. I was perfectly parented. I had parents who had those same pressures, who came from those same places, 
who refuse to treat me that way and that's why I'm gonna be special. And, and I, I, I want that for the quadrillions of kids around the world because they deserve it because you're absolutely right. The, the, the fact that 99 out of 100 parents back in Chinese New Year put unneeded pressure on their kids which ultimately is going to hurt their children and hurt their relationship with their children is needs to start being eradicated. We need to change the conversation on, on this issue and, uh, and it starts with the insecurities of the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an it's a insecurity on the parent level. Yeah. And it, it's really, you know what's really interesting to me? I think of China as such winners, holistically, because of what the country's doing, but it is the ultimate loser move to, live, to think that you are successful based on what your children are accomplishing. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like, I take much more pride in when my kids are funny or doing something special. I get it. I'm starting to really get it. However, it is just wrong. It is just absolutely mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, oh, well, to, to, what do you to, think, Mike? Because you, it's, you, it's, you, yeah, to, to go deeper, you know, there are a lot of new families that they just newly became the middle class. So yes. the middle class is booming. So they're afraid that they're gonna lose because they, they just got there. You know, like the, the only way that they can think of to to maintain the status is to invest in their kids' education or push a little bit harder to make sure their kids can carry on the status. I get so, it. so 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 that that that's one they're pressure. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. I, I understand. Yeah. They're gonna lose. They're gonna lose their kids, and they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose their relationship with their kids over time. What they don't understand is how quickly the world is evolving, and how and how we're all more connected than ever, and we're all looking at each other's cultures. I think the greatest thing that is ever gonna happen to America is China's emergence. So I think kids that are gonna be born ten years from now mm-hmm. are gonna be winners in America forty years from now because of the chip on their shoulder of losing that world stage leadership. I really believe that. I think America's different than Europe that way. So what should parents invest in their, in their kids? Like what aspect? Because, because they should are, invest in their emotional and intelligence. Soft skills. 100%. Yeah. They, what should they invest in? Listening and try to figure out their kids. He, you know, your mother is still, you guys are still married? You, yeah. yeah, you know, that, uh, you know, they have four children. They can't raise all four kids the same way. Not to be, not to be ultimately successful. Uh-huh. I mean, he could do whatever he wants. I don't tell anybody <laughs> to parent uh, listen, I have passionate points of view on this, but I will never tell anybody how to parent their child. That's very personal. I don't tell anybody how to have their relationship with their with their loved one, you know, their their spouse. These are personal things. It's one man's point of view, but it's one man's point of view that you know has the luxury of being an outlier and watching how everybody else did it and then watching and it becoming the formative way that he looked at the world. It's how I am as a manager to my team. There's a reason they like it. Mm-hmm. It's because I learned those skills, I'm a product of it and I, I, would, I don't wanna be a hypocrite and treat them as employees differently than I was treated. And they'll tell you, it's an, I don't over coddle. This is not coddling. This is, this is real love, real mm-hmm. listening, real watching with circumstances. Yes. Parenting is, is an art. And each child is different, and how you balance, you know, you want to show the way, but you don't want to interact with their personal growth. And 100%. And, and this man can tell you, as a parent, you're only as happy 
as the most unhappy child you have. <laughs> you know, like you could, have, you could have three, you know, he's got four of you guys. Right now, whoever's not in the best place, even if they're in a good place or a solid place, that's what's running through their mind. When you're navigating something, when you're responsible, same thing against me as a company, I'm putting my finger in the biggest holes in the boat. There's a lot of holes. And so, you know, my, you know, if this is happen, you know, if this trickles out, if this clip, if this video catches some virality within the mainland China audience, it's on Weibo, WeChat, the one thing I would tell parents is do a lot more listening. And don't listen to your fucking friends. <laughs> you know, and listen to, need, listen, 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 listen to your kids. And when I say listening, watch them. What do they gravitate towards? Nobody thought playing video games 20 years ago was gonna lead to a luxurious financial life. It clearly has. True. You know, so if you're so smart, if you want your kids to be successful, recognize that the world you live in today has nothing to do with the world they're gonna live in. Nothing. Yeah. And so, and so I, t- I have empathy, you know, especially emerging middle classes. But if you look at America as a proxy, when the middle class started to emerge, it was also when university and college was starting to build as a brand, mm-hmm. and it worked for a period of time that was fine, but the problem is technology is too much of a variable. You know, too much of a variable. Gary, I, have, I, wanna, I wanna say something on this. Um, please. We can, we can talk on parents and parenting, but I yeah. wanna take the weight off parents for a little bit Please, and talk a little bit, a little bit, go a bit wider on the culture. Let's talk about it. In China, like, I'm, I'm Jewish, I'm, I'm religious, yes. and when we celebrate different festivals, traditions, when we pray, we tell each other, oh, we should, good luck. And okay. when you pray to God, you have something bigger figure around you. Yes. But in China, if you look about it, if you, yes. people, when people wish each other good luck, it's about gong shi fa which means wish you to be rich. There's a very focused, strong culture about money, and becoming rich. Mm-hmm. Obset- it's, it's kind of a cultural obsession. It's been um, traditional thousands of years. I want to add please. that this point is that that kind of tradition makes young people think without their parents that they must, before 30, have a house, have a car, mm-hmm. get married. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a social status thing that even if your parents don't want it, yeah. you, the, the, your boss, the, the person yeah. in the office, your, your, China, even your dog. China, you know China, China is going to be an incredibly successful country with a lot of unhappy people. <laughs> Interesting. So, hundred percent. So, how how do people kind of how do you kind of tell this audience? Because you got a lot of people going to see these videos. Right Easy. Now. If you think money is the root of happiness, you're fucking broken. You've lost. You've lost life. You will not win. Okay. That's my two cents. That's good. And listen, solid. I'm <laughs> very I'm very uh, empathetic. I I grew up in a culture very similar. Like America has a lot of those tendencies as well. Mm-hmm. It's evolving, which is why it will lose more, but it will be in pockets happier, you know? And everything's about balance, right? Everything's about balance. Mm-hmm. If the least hardworking, you know, country or culture is over here, and if China plays over here, the answer's always somewhere in the middle. Always, 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 always. And look, you know, Israel is not short of ambitious people and hunger for mm-hmm. success. So you, you guys know this. I mean, look, from my standpoint, that is, China's vulnerability is very easy. It's that. I mean, if, you know, I, I wasn't aware of that. This is the first time I'm consuming that. Mm-hmm. If the default is, I wish for you to be rich. So I'll give you an example. I would argue that my grandmother had that point of view, and I don't think I know many people more not happy than my grandmother. I'm thinking now of the people that, like going through my mind, that one I'm comfortable saying out loud because it's within my family. I don't want to mention the two or three people I know in the business world. No question the least happy people I know are the ones who look at rich 
money as the success barometer. It leads to enormous insecurity. True. Yes. You know, what, you know, it's the same reason fashion does so well in mainland China. If you think your YSL bag or your Louis Vuitton or your Supreme is covering up to winners your shortcomings, you're fucking mistaking. You might be tricking the masses, but the top 10% of the world knows everything they need to know when you're fucking tricked out head to toe in Louis Vuitton. The most insecure people I know are also the people that enjoy fashion, cars, planes, and watches the most. You cannot measure happiness. And being rich isn't by number. Mm-hmm. It's but, an internal issue. Yeah, but this pressure—I mean, as, as a young, as a young, as a young person in China, you know, we got the pressure of we hearing successful stories about yeah. well, kids in yeah. twenty-five years yeah. and making billions yeah. and like and social media has made nothing, it has nothing to do with you, bro. It's true, but it's it's just carving. It's I, it's listen, all around you. By the way, How I get you, it. Mm-hmm. You either succumb to it or you don't. True. Like <laughs> you know, I get it. But again, back to life is about options. I'd rather kids today worry about being successful because that's what they're being pushed versus worrying about how to avoid the black plague or run away from you know, Eastern European Poland because they're Jewish and they're about to get killed, right? Or being sent off to the Korean War. Or, I mean like, life's better. Like I'm not gonna shed one fucking tear for you because this is a prosperous, happy world right now, better than any other time, and if your biggest fucking worry is that you're gonna be judged by your neighbors and friends because you didn't build the next Instagram, well, fucking you won. (laughs) Really, I mean, like, listen, and I get it. Everybody worries about what they worry about. I have friends who who have $50 million in their trust fund, and all they worry about is that nobody will ever think they were good because they were handed success and that their life is ruined because they'll never be successful. And by the way, I get it, because that wouldn't work for me. That would have been really bad for me. I would have struggled with that. I worry that my kids have my DNA and are gonna struggle with being on third base. It's so everybody has their own realities, but here's the punchline, my friend. You have no choice. Like, it is what it is. Like, it's a good problem to have. Okay, that's that, that's kind of takes us into like the last topic. I, sure. cover, I think it was almost getting to 11 a.m. and I know you're busy, Gary. Um, so um, this entire we talked about very different social issues, and in China there is like a thing on the internet. Actually, it's very it's something that started off very early in the education system in China. But the way that people value and judge somebody a lot of times are related to a concept called the three positives, and that's something Malik knows about the Sangwan. Mm-hmm. Sangwan. It's basically a combination of the three, um, it's called Sangwan, one is called uh, personal values, yep. second, life philosophy, yep. and third, world view. Okay. It's the three views, it's the three kind of positives. Okay. And a lot of time people use this, because in China, because the political environment is different, yes. it's a way to judge somebody's behavior, whether he's more pro-woman, or pro-development, um, or it's, it's a way to judge people's philosophies on life. Okay. And a lot of times Malik, because he's a kind of, he's a social, okay, well, he creates his opinion, he puts it out there if he wants to tackle a social issue. And he's known as like the most, the, the, he's three positives, the most correct of all. Like he is extremely a great example of this. Now the way, do you think people on the internet, when they're trying to pr- um, 
kind of express themselves? Do, should they worry about how people judge them constantly yeah. on their values? Is, is being a person with really positive, great values of life, more liberal values, you can call it here in the, in the US, mm-hmm. is that something that someone should take when they're trying to push themselves through life and society? Should it like be like pre, pre-arranged values in your system or should you design it yourself? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to extend Please. on that, like, you know, like a, a lot of kids watch my stuff and they believe I have a good, like the values, but I was actually tripped or prisoned by these values. I, I, I can't, I can, like, I cannot say stuff outside of what is viewed to be right, like the political correctness. You know, sometimes I want to, I want to extend a little bit and talk about different ideas or different opinions, but well, you know, like the, there are people jump onto the comment section and start firing about you're not on the right track of you're not following what is viewed to be right in the society. Um, I think like ignoring different ideas and different voices, it, it, it's really dangerous. Yeah. Young people's pressure mm-hmm. to be kind of... So here's my two cents on this. The biggest thing that you guys don't know that we know as the older statesmen in the room <laughs> is that the state of politically correct views changes all the time. True. What, what, him, you know, what he grew up with, what I then grew up with, it's changed. You know, to me, I don't sit on, you know, I'm, I mean, I am the most pro-human person. The thought, I would die if I was to suppress another human being in any shape or form. For me to judge or do something negative to another human being literally breaks my soul. Like the thought is so foreign, like I can't even comprehend the ability to. When I watch the world or my friends or neighbors or associates or politicians on the world stage, America, Russia, China, anywhere, it's the single worst thing you can do, especially in today's environment where everything's being documented, you will lose historically. Your legacy will be tainted. So for me, I could never do the wrong thing by another person. However, I do not take the liberal point of view on every social issue. I do not believe that, I believe that we've gone too far in America by giving kids trophies if they come in fifth place. I'm just not, I don't have the liberal point of view. I do not believe in unions. That is not, I don't, I don't think that that's a good idea. I think taking the fair market out of it is bad. I come from the Soviet Union. I know what happens when you go too far, right? I think that there's a lot of laziness in China that people don't talk about because of those undertones in certain, especially if they aren't just emerging in the middle class, mm-hmm. they started at the, right? So I think you, know, you will lose if you are scared to put out your two set, here's, here's the number one thing I will tell you, for you mm-hmm. and anybody else who's listening, who's playing in this game. When you die on a sword, it's much more fun to die on your own sword. So when you lose by living a public life on an issue that you didn't fully believe in to begin with, it's gonna hurt double. I agree. You know, as far as people leaving comments, mm-hmm. that doesn't even penetrate my mindset. Yeah. And both ways, both ways. Most of my comments is, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest human being that ever lived, I'm the greatest. Doesn't penetrate, just as much as somebody saying I'm wrong, or I'm a charlatan, or they hate me. Both the same, which is, I'm appreciative anybody's paying attention to the begin with, I'm grateful, and that's where it kind of stops and starts. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody anonymous on the internet saying I suck, or that I'm supposed, you know better than that, mm-hmm. really? I don't know, my one cent is don't live by other people's comment. At the same time, listen to them. Mm-hmm. Always, always. You have to be thoughtful. You can never get too high in your own supply. And that's, I was saying the same mm-hmm. thing, which is 
whether they say I'm the greatest or I'm the worst, it's one and the same and I think people are selective. They love the positive feedback and they block the negative feedback. I probably spend a little more time on the negative feedback than the positive feedback because I wanna be thoughtful and I never wanna become a caricature of myself or I'm getting too high on myself but I also don't over stress around the negative feedback because I'm empathetic. I understand why they're giving it to me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So yeah, another actual question I want to ask yeah, um, for myself and also a lot of people right, who, 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 who are doing it here. Yes. Uh, we talked a lot about China, but what about New York? So kids like me or foreign kids, you know, yes. fresh out of boat, yes. you know, we want to make it here, yes. especially in New York. Everybody dreams yes. about New York. Yes. Like how? Like what does it take to make it in New York? I think it takes the same thing that it takes to make it in in, in Beijing mm-hmm. or 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 anywhere in the world. Tel Aviv. Like it's the same old game. You have to assess the situation. Mm-hmm. You have to understand what value you can provide and you have to understand what your ambitions and goals are. I mean, look, I think that places like New York or London or Tel Aviv for that matter or or, or Beijing, um, Shanghai and on and on and on. These are special places. This is where a lot of people are. Yeah. This is where the A plus talent is and it's congregating. Um, and every situation is different. I think the one great thing America has is it's got a lot of shortcomings like any other part of the world, but the government intervention on entrepreneurship and capitalism is far less, which creates a much more even playing field, Mm -hmm. which is an awfully exciting and intoxicating feeling. Just is, it just is. You know, I think where American businessmen and women get confused about being successful in China, Mm -hmm. and I've watched so many of them, and it must be funny for you actually going through that transition, watching everybody come in with a lot of puffy chest Mm -hmm. and getting annihilated, is they underestimate the market, they underestimate the skill set of the people, and the actual purebred entrepreneurship, but what they also underestimate is the government, period. End of story. I have the luxury of being born in a place where that was very much the case, so it's always been in the back of my mind. China is not America. It's, you know, you don't have, you have to be very thoughtful of your relationships with the government or you will not succeed at the level that you decide you're gonna succeed at or more importantly, it sucks you in to a certain level and then it really hurts your feelings. So, you know, I I think making it in New York Mm -hmm. for somebody in China who's a young kid fresh off the boat is very exciting because some of the things that they've always thought were in play Mm -hmm. are actually not a negative in this market and that's, that's obviously very exciting. Great. Yeah, Thank but you, you. you do have the China card, even in New York. <laughs> yeah. you, you have to play your advantages. True. Whatever you do. People who are born here, they have you know, friends and understand things you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You, are, you have a shortcoming, mm-hmm. but you have a card. The value added, right? So mm-hmm. like bring, bring what you have to here instead of brother, like being it's similar. Hu- brother, it's huge. It's huge. The mm-hmm. amount of A and B list business people I know that are desperate to form relationships within the U.S. Mm-hmm. with you know, Chinese kids, mm-hmm. you know, luminaries, influencers, KOLs, business people. You know, the biggest reason that I'm not building my brand in China mm-hmm. is time. Sure. Like, the time of being on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, there's a lot of people who, who have that issue. Mm-hmm. It's an enormous advantage to be able to speak the dialect 
anybody who right now can speak both those languages is off to the fucking races and the reality is there's a hell of a lot more Chinese that are able to do it than Americans for now, mm-hmm. right? True. That will change over the next 20 mm-hmm. years as we start introducing it way more into the education system mm-hmm. and education in America changes. Most of the kids I know that are eight, nine, 10 that can speak Mandarin are not doing it within their school. They're doing it outside of their school. Mm-hmm. And so I think we'll see more of that as Americans realize that's a cost of entry to win on a global stage. Yeah. Unless technology catches up. I actually think by the time we teach everybody technology. translation, we've got it in our ear. Yeah. Like I think that's I'm going true. to mainland China. Could happen. Yeah, yeah, but it goes to the soft skill. Understanding the culture is more important than the language. And the language, right? Always. The culture. So here I have a really good follow-up question, Gary. This Please. is really, really important for us because um, so we're talking, we, we have do have influence in China. We built it with a lot of empathy, patience, and time. We didn't yes. just go viral like this. Of course we, not. We were, I think his story, my story, he's from the dorms here in New York trying to make f- videos and slowly us, us building different kinds of formats. And it took us time and patience to enter China and, yes. and show them the foreigner point of view about China. That's what we do. Like yes. our, our main selling point in China yes. is that we show for like, Chinese people yes. how we enjoy or appreciate or think of different Chinese trends. I understand. This is, it's been very great. However, my bigger dream, personal dream is I wanna, I think that the world is so much more open to more people to see this country itself beside of the Chinese people. Couldn't so agree more. Our biggest dream is to bring it here to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, to show more people what is life in China like. And so we build a brand called Why China with capital Y, Why China. But again, as you said, to enter a new market in their place, it takes, the person I grew up 10 years in China, I'm completely non-Westernized in many of my thinking. Yes. I haven't been involved in Facebook as much as I have. I've been spending 99% of my time on Chinese social networks and 1%. So with that time and empathy needed to enter this market with our content to show the world, uh, or show Americans per se, what is China like? What are things that attract Americans about China that are currently relevant, can be in the next two, three years? What are the main topics that you think I should spend time exploring? Yeah. I don't want to do everything. I can't so, show them everything. So look, I think the biggest problem with America is it's so American biased, right? Yeah. America's biggest shortcoming is that it's been the leader of the world for too long and it's gotten high off its own supply. Yes. America's answer to anything when somebody else is doing something well is that they're cheating or corrupt. It's a very big, very big vulnerability. Um, I think the reason I love the Olympics, the reason I love social media, like open communication solves every issue. Like it's just true. So to me, I just think it's the truth. I think, you know, I think what you need to do if you want that is you need to become the practitioner and the executor in a YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, podcast world the same way you are in a Weibo, WeChat, you know, world. So, you know, to me, I don't think it's about the content. I think as long as you tell the truth, I mean, people are fascinated by you just, I think, well, let me give you a couple things I would do. I would definitely do interviewing people on the street around things that are happening in America. A video that would do very well in the US on social media is a one minute video mashup of seven people's answers on Instagram of what people in China think about Instagram and you doing the clever job of showing seven people that have never heard of it mm. or seven people talking about, well, they loved it when they did a semester at UCLA. So I think taking content that is happening in the US, like asking, for, you know, I think 40 people for three minutes answering their thoughts on LeBron James in China is an interesting insight. So taking things that are trending in America and asking and making videos, one to five minute videos 
of normal Chinese citizens, young and old, giving their two cents. Mm. You know, if you called it like two yen, you know, or something like that, like it would be super, (laughs) right? It'd be really interesting for Americans to see the perception of their brands and culture outside. You're you're right on, you're right on, because what got Raz so popular in China is the fact he was talking about things trending in China. Mm -hmm. The opposite, exactly the flip mirror. This would got 100%. Okay, and then what about some, some else you want to support? I'm going to use the time every year, is that Vox, Vice, they make this kind of internal, more deep, like more informative, but like also really realistic, like documentaries, right? And we actually did some shows of showing me working in Chinese, being a Chinese delivery boy, working in Chinese trains during Chinese yes. New Year. I was being very documentary level, like really trying heavily show people the real life there. Yes. Is that also the direction that Americans would like to see or is this things that less... Humans want to see truth. Yeah. That's why documentaries work. Right. That's why new platforms, when they emerge, documentaries over, always over-index. That's why Netflix is doing so well with them. Mm-hmm. The truth always wins. And then we start melting it. And making less truth, but the truth is always the answer. Okay, yeah, we're performing better on Facebook than our interview videos. Um, but again, yeah, I'm just saying that don't get caught up in short-term social media analytics mm-hmm. as an indicator to what works. My YouTube channel views on my daily vlog haven't moved in a year. By all by all metrics, not working. I'm just completely unfazed. I'm aware because I pay attention to my shit but I'm not going to pander to creating a, something that doesn't feel authentic to me to get 200,000 views per episode instead of 50. That has no value in the long game. So stick to ourselves, be real, be, do our content. And it's just always gonna be the best answer. All right, I gotta run. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. So much. Gary, hey, podcast listeners, uh, big ups. I'm putting on my Gary Vaynerchuk, CEO of Vayner Media hat right now, not the Gary V that all of you love so much. One of the most exciting things that Vayner Media sells, besides the million dollar scopes for the biggest brands in the world, is this concept of four Ds: daily digital deep dive, a consulting product from Vayner Media that has crushed uh, for us and has had a huge impact. A ten thousand dollar immersion day where you come in and you learn from our creative team, our media team, our consulting strategy team. Like I'm in there for an hour doing kind of my one-on-one Q and A personal fix your business, grow your business, expand your business session. It is exploded hearing the ridiculous stories of I came to your 40s and was doing 280,000. Now we're doing 2.2 million. I want to make sure the podcast world knows about it. VaynerMedia.com slash 4DS or GaryVaynerchuk.com. Hit the events tab. Go see the dates. Sign up. This will change your business. See ya.